Welcome to this podcast. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. It's the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. I'm Travis Lincoln Cox. I'm a three-name actor because I'm compensating for something. In today's episode of the pod, we're talking game tape. And just like Tom Brady watches back the tape to figure out how to win another Super Bowl, Storm Chaser watches back the tape to also figure out how to win another Super Bowl. So far, it's not really working, but we are slowly getting better at improv, so I guess that will have to do. Today, we dive into our show from February 24th, where our suggestion was Time Traveler. We talk about delighting and inspiration, why my teammates feel like making fun of me all the time, the joy of surprising yourself and your teammates, what in the world Dramaville means, building tension, leaning in when things get weird, the pitfalls of letting your brain make decisions, and so much more. Enjoy. You're listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. All right, guys, we're back again. We're talking game tape. Thanks for listening. We're talking about a show that we did on March. Nope. February. Nope. Twen- January. January. October. It was 20. February 24th. Why are you just, why aren't you, why don't you have this written down? I why are you just trying prepped. to recall it from your memory? I don't know. I wrote, I wasn't, I didn't think ahead. Not everybody reads nerdy books about how to take smart notes, Pish. Yeah. Hey, recommendation, everybody. What's the book, Pish? Plug it. How to Take Smart Notes. Written by Read Andrew it. Pish. Did you write it? I wish. Jacob's reading it because of uh, Andrew's recommendation, and I swear every five minutes he's like, whoa. Okay, I'm going to go read it, and then we'll come back and finish this podcast. Great. Yeah. All right, sounds good. The suggestion of the show was Time Traveler which was very fun and a very cool suggestion. Um, before we get into talking about the show, I just want to take a quick second to read a couple of our five-star reviews that y'all have given us on Apple Podcasts. We're super grateful to everyone who's taken the time to do this. It really means a lot to us. This is one of the first reviews we ever got, and I thought it was really, really sweet. This is by DT Heimer. It says, Anatasha Blakely really impacted me with her explanation on how the improv group came to name themselves Storm Chaser and what the name means. The message about facing fear and growth resonated with me. It's been a while since I've listened to such a positive and motivating speaker. Anatasha is clearly practicing what she preaches and it is inspiring. After listening to her 11-minute podcast, it made me ask myself what it is I've been afraid to do but really would or should be doing. I hope all of the podcasts are as exciting and as stimulating as this one, whether it's a lesson on becoming an improviser or advice on how to face the future, whatever it is, I'm excited to hear it. This podcast could rank up there with one of my favorites. That is not said lightly, as I am an avid podcast listener. How about that? Wow, beautiful. Shout out to Donna, who is uh, beautiful and smart. So I take this compliment very highly. I thought that was so sweet. So I think maybe at the beginning of our game tapes, we'll just take a minute and read you know, one or two of our favorite reviews. Thank you all for doing those. If you haven't yet, please take some time out to do that. We love you for it. Let's talk game tape. I thought this show was fun. How'd y'all feel about it? Stop looking at me, Pish. He's staring. He's laughing at my face. Say something, Tasha. The world is waiting. Everyone's listening and you're not saying anything. (laughs) I thought the show was fun. And I have 
I have lots of I have lots to say about it, but I'm curious what you want to cover first, Trav. Let me butt in real quick because I just just overall. Uh, I really love this show. First of all, you can see how much we've progressed in doing Zoom improv. All of our setups look a lot more professional now. And you can just tell that we're way more comfortable navigating the awkwardness of Zoom improv. And as we've been talking, this is so much more like live broadcasting your own show as opposed to just doing an improv show. There are so many more things to navigate. And I think we have done really well. We have been committed to doing the zoom improv thing and i think it's paying off i think we're we've gotten way better since we started so that's really cool to totally see. and on that live broadcasting idea of having audience response having whitney right there was so monumental and it made me go okay i want more people in the room because having that laughter was like oh Man, so nice. It's so choice. It made me think, and maybe we can experiment with this down the road, of not only giving Wit like a laugh track cue that like when we make her laugh, she can sort of add to it. But maybe yeah. we invite like one or two people a show to be like, you're our designated audience. If we make you laugh, push this button just to give us that feel and like to give the people watching that feel. Because I, I agree, having her there live, even though it's just one person, it's such a key part of improv, and man, it felt good. Speaking of Travis's wife, she's our in-studio audience right now. You may hear her laughing throughout the show. <laughs> we have It'll to be good like enough. This. <laughs> That's her. <laughs> man, she has such a good laugh. I know, she's the best. Shout out, Whitney. Yeah. And shout out to everyone else watching. I hope that you don't think we don't appreciate you. We see your comments. We really appreciate you. I thought it was funny. Every single person who commented on this last show had a name that started with A. Thank you, Andy, Amanda. Andres. Andres. <laughs> Andres. I love him. He's so lovely. We're coming off the hills of talking with Brendan Jennings. And he's talking to Cook County about part of what they love about improv is giving each other crap. So I want to start this this episode off with a, a little segment called My Friends Are Jerks. And that's how I know that they love me. Because giving each other shit is lo a love language. So enjoy this little montage of clips where y'all just made fun of me. Okay, okay. If you want to go back and beat up your childhood bully and see what happens, be my guest. All I'm saying, Marlo, <laughs> Wait, be your what? Be my guest. That's how they say it in the future. Technically, I'm not technically supposed to be here. Are you a woman with a beard? Why do you have a hairband? <laughs> Marco, we gotta get out of here. Where are you from? You sound a little Southern. I don't want to see your goddamn gross, wrinkly face anymore. Every year you just look older and older and it's grossing me out. Yay. You know, you said that you didn't want to do a Southern accent. You said that before the show, and I just wanted to tease you about it. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> okay, It, it, it oh, never oh, left oh. my brain that I was like, Travis said he didn't want to do a Southern accent. I've been doing, I think I've done a Southern accent in like the last 15 shows in a row. And then Pish and I just did another show for the Socially Distant Challenge. I kid you not, you would be so disappointed. I played four different characters that were all Southern. 
Okay, now here's my question. Did they have like, was it like one was a Southern Belle and then you had like a little bit. So we had some different economic status going on. (laughs) There was some variety. There was some variety. But yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe I've been playing too much Red Dead Redemption or something, but it's a go-to and I've got to, I'm trying to work on getting away from that. For anyone who's listened to my Shred the Gnar episode, it's it's a go-to move. And it's starting to get predictable, and it's it's not risky anymore. So I'm trying to shake it off, at least for a, a moment. I can help you. So the key is you need to go learn some other accents, because I think that the desire to play something far from yourself, 100% yes. So if you went and you, like, at some point during the month, you were working on a British accent, that's going to be the one that comes up. And probably Red Dead really has more to do with it than you think. No, that's a great idea. I do. I need to pick a couple and just practice them just for fun. I think that's a good segue, Tosh, into I want to I've been thinking about this game tape thing and we're always talking about not being judgmental and it's it's kind of hard to pick apart a show without saying, "Oh, that was really good" or "Oh, that was really bad." And like those terms good and bad, we we all have talked about how they don't really serve us. So, I want to divide this show more into like here's things that we could do or that we could have done differently. I don't believe in should have in improv. This is what we could have done. And then on the flip side of that, like, let's do more of this. Here's something we did that worked. Let's do more of that. So one of the things I have written down for myself in the things I could have done differently as I go back and watch the characters, I think I could have had more fun with the characters, but given them more shape and different voices and different accents. The The first character in the very first scene, the time traveler guy, could have been really fun as this like, I don't know, like this kooky old British guy or something. Could have been kind of fun. So that, that was a note I had for myself and the could have done different category is to expand my notebook of characters to play. Okay, I, I do have a could have done. And the moment I see it in my face, the moment on a repeat watch. It was so obvious to me and I I was feeling it. When we went and there was like talk of murdering Caesar, I had a moment of hesitation because I was like, well, I've played Brutus and I actually was like revisiting that play recently. And I and I kind of just wanted to like bust out into a soliloquy. My moment of hesitation because I was like, I know a lot about this. I was like, it'd be very easy for me to play at a high level of intelligence to like go for it. But my moment of hesitation came because on stage, it's not that hard for me to to move through space and become another character. I literally could take a sidestep, embody some physicality, and we're good. I'm a new character. But we haven't really practiced being like, I'm playing multiple characters in a scene over Zoom. And I didn't know how to do it. So I didn't even try. I was like, I don't know. And then the moment was passed. So I actually think that's one thing that might be fun to work on in rehearsal. And that's my could have done is just being like, oh, I know a lot about this. Just bust it out. That's such a great point because I actually was trying to like play Brutus in that moment. I, I like I don't know. I closed my shirt weird to try to make a different shape, but it yeah, wasn't. You, you, you know. did not hesitate. You tried. And it made me be like, oh, I wish that I had just jumped on it too. But I, I think I judged the how too much. Even then when I watched it back, I was like, oh, it's not necessarily clear that I'm a different person. 
maybe maybe you should ask Brutus if he wants to do it. What? What? Who said that? Great idea, Brutus. Oh, um, Brutus. Uh, I, I'm not technically I'm not technically supposed to be here, Brutus. But um, if 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 you guys all want to do it, are you a woman with a beard? Why do you have a hairband? <laughs> I saw you trying to be a different character, and I also saw it not being clear. And so I specifically called you out, and I think that's when I <laughs> gave you shit because you said before the show you were self-conscious about this headband that you were trying out. So I decided not only to call out that you were the same character, but that you were wearing a headband. That's really funny to hear because I was like, oh, no. It didn't work, but it did work, and you were just were being a butthead. Yeah, but I also had the idea. I was like, if it's not clear to the audience, it might not be clear if I start to jump on it too. And so just for the purpose of it being clear for everyone, I wanted to kind of call it out in the moment. I actually thought it really worked. I think that's a, a good barometer of knowing if your move worked or was like a sellout because it, it didn't take energy out of the show. It added en It added energy to the show. You know what I mean? The moment, it was a fun moment that charged the show, motivated an edit, and got us out of there. So I, I think it was a good move. Well, this is something that I want to talk about and work on in, in rehearsal, is the idea that there's all these skills that we have that we haven't learned the language of Zoom enough to translate them, right? So that this is just one apparent one that I was like, I know how to do this on stage. I don't know how this translates to this new medium. And I was reading, rereading The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. And, you know, he talks about synthesizing or information, like two separate things together or interdisciplinary arts. And, but he was like, you have to learn the new language of your new craft before you bring that stuff in. And I was like, whoa, this is mirroring when I started improvising because I remember I had a teacher who was like, you know, it's, I'm surprised that you come from an acting background because like you're, you don't really strike me as that. And it's like the first improv class I took because I was learning new language. I couldn't bring any of my acting skills over, even though I was like, no, I know how to play a character. I couldn't, I couldn't do it yet. And I was like, oh, Zoom is that. It's a new medium. It's new language, new grammar. And then I think I'll be, and my skills will translate if we can break those walls. Does that make sense? Totally. Because actually what I was thinking as far as what I could have done differently was kind of related because I, I tried to make a move from the side in our fourth scene where Anatasha was confronting her bully. I was just trying to build the world a little bit and have another bully bullying an elderly person at the school. And it wasn't clear and it didn't read you need to back off, Margot, okay? Back off. Or what? Look or at that guy's wrinkles. What? What was that? Nothing. You know what? I'm talking to somebody else. I'm talking to somebody else over here. Forget it. Forget it. It confused y'all. It took the focus away. It was never something that we talked about. It was never anything one of us had done before. It's something that might have worked if we were in person, but definitely not in the Zoom atmosphere the way it was done. So do differently.
figure that stuff out. It reminds me of like learning soft edits for the first time, playing with maybe somebody else and then just like kind of making a move and then being like, well, you didn't sweep edit, so this must be a walk-on and then just being like, okay, I guess it's a walk-on and just living with it. Being like, cool, we're improvising, this is what it is. But because we know the same language, we're able to kind of do these like kind of little more subtle moves. So it's good that we're talking about it and working on it. And like, you got to try those and then be like, this is what I was trying to do. Cause the next time I'll be like, oh, okay, 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 cool. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I, I feel like I'm perpetually optimistic, but I, I think it's a good sign that we're now to a place where you feel like you can try that sort of more subtle, you know, in the background kind of different move to add to the scene. And it, it like trying stuff that doesn't work only leads to trying stuff that does work. Yeah, I think one of my intentions recently, just in general with improvising, has been to, especially on Zoom, see my world more and be able to build that for the audience a little bit more. I think that move came from that place. I think it actually has helped in general. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being brave, both of you. You both tried things that we haven't tried before while I hesitated, so proud of y'all. <laughs> and you're the good one getting all the good reviews on Apple Podcasts. What's going oh, on? please. We all yeah. know that that's just my mother-in-law being cute. <laughs> but I think she really means it, so. I want to I wanna throw in a couple things of like, let's do more of that. The very first thing in the show, and I don't know why I had never thought about it, but we were all so excited by the suggestion Time Traveler that it it added this super delightful energy to the very beginning of the show. Like when I held it up in front of the camera, the look on y'all's faces when you read it, you got like, you like lit up like time traveler because you knew there was so much to play with and it was really fun. And I just thought, man, we, we could do that for every suggestion, no matter what, like every suggestion has just as many possibilities as Time Traveler. That reminds me of early Storm Chaser rehearsals. Um, and this was something I think we did with Jet, but I specifically remember us practicing it by ourselves in my apartment in Van Nuys. We'd have somebody throw out a suggestion and then you'd do a monologue with the focus being like really taking a moment to to absorb it. What do I know about this thing? How do I feel about this thing? What does it remind me of? And then you would like start a monologue. And I'm like, oh, it's the same thing where I was like, I'm delighted by that because it makes me feel a certain way. And what and I knew certain things about it. But you're totally right that you can kind of delight in anything, like find a reason to delight in any suggestion. Yeah, that was a really great point. I know for me, I've been a part of two separate shows, narrative improv shows where we improvised episodes of Doctor Who. And so when I saw Time Travel or Time Traveler, I was like, oh, this is my wheelhouse. I was like, I love time travel stories. And so that gave me this joy. But you're so right. There's no reason that you can't just free associate with things in your life and sense associations that can bring you those kinds of visions that can inspire every improv scene in a different, delightful way. A couple more things on my let's do more of that list. First is surprising each other. Fish, again, go back and watch mine and Anatasha's face when we do our first time travel and you start your Caesar monologue. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh. Well, I do not believe that Caesar represents us all. 
Oh no. Oh, look back way too far. Oh, we're so happy that you threw this curveball at us. It was so unexpected and so exciting. There's something so fun about being surprised. There's something in improv that if someone makes a choice that is just so straightforward, there's this mis mischievous part of me that really wants to give that person exactly what they're not expecting. It's so boring sometimes to follow through and just say, oh, we're going into the doctor's office and then to show up in a doctor's office. It's just so, it's too easy. I don't know. Brendan uh, calls Greg Hess a Dennis the Menace when he's talking about playing with Greg. It's like, Dennis the Menace. And I was like, that's Pish, man. Like he, Pish is very, he loves to like pull the rug out in the best way. Yeah, it does not always work. Sometimes <laughs> makes y'all a little frustrated. I mean, it's great when it comes from, it comes from listening though. Like this is one of those surprises where you, it was because you were listening even more than, than normal. Even though it's a curveball, it's like, feels so earned. Listening like, I'm even gonna, more like than normal? Um, moving on. Are you saying um, that I don't so, listen during improv shows? No, no say what you're going to say, Anatasha. This is a space. We're hashing it out. Can we have a section called poopy butthole moves? <laughs> and just sometimes, you know, poopy butthole moves. You know, was that a poopy butthole move? No, Caesar. No, it wasn't. Have we made poopy butthole moves? It feels yeah. like a secret nickname that I didn't know about. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is brand new. This is brand new this to both of us. Brand new information. I I really enjoyed that move as well. So much so that I I almost wish that that had been like the structure for the whole show. But I was like, I can't figure out a way. I, like I had a moment where I was like, I just want to be this kid now or like this, I guess, adult going back to childhood. I was like, I just Margo, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, I just want to be Margo and I want to just keep time traveling and like witnessing things happen. But that's such a silent role that I was like, I can't figure out a way to initiate that. And then the moment, again, the moment passed. It reminded me of like a deathmatch show where it's like suddenly like a new structure is thrown at you or Holly Laurent would do that in rehearsals with, with us where she just like throw a new structure at you. And it felt like it appeared to me right at that moment, but I was rusty enough to, to not even begin to know how to initiate it. I, first of all, I agree with you 100%. I had the exact same thought looking back and watching the show and was like, Oh, it was right there. Very rarely does that do the improv God say, this is the show. This time it was like, this was like an adventure time travel show. It was right there. And I can tell you why it didn't go that way. And it's because I ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Come on, Travis. <laughs> if you want to put what it the in the poopy butthole category. The ruiner. You can. <laughs> the, can we talk I about did, the ruiner off the podcast, I Natasha? Did, <laughs> I did a poopy butthole move where... I, f I feel like in this this time travel adventure saga, the grand finale is Margot facing her bully. Like, that was the thing she was after all, all at once. Well, freaking Travis got the idea in his head right from the very beginning that that's the scene we should see. And Pish was able to, like, keep us away from that for two scenes by having fun and dreaming and being playful. I still found a way to force it in. By scene three, <laughs> I was forcing my idea in there no matter what. 
Who are you, Margot's mom? <laughs> Where are you from? You sound a little Southern. <laughs> What's it to you? You sound a little stupid. Once Margot faced her bully, like the journey was over. And then every scene after okay, that okay. sort of went back to a... So so I just want to say that you maybe in this one... Because imagine if we went Caesar and then it'd be like, uh, we're jumping to like the wild, wild west. But maybe your I can't do a southern accent was like, I can't go there. <laughs> Maybe we would have visited Red Dead Redemption. I would, you know, I would say that theory held water if the scene I'm talking about wasn't the scene that I still did a Southern accent <laughs> in. <laughs> totally. I think there's also something to be said, though, about seeing the structure after the show. I mean, you didn't see it during the show, so you can't give yourself too hard of a time. Of and course. also, I had the idea, the exact same thing. Oh, that's the climactic scene that we'll get to. We get to it in the middle of the show. No! Then I saw it. <laughs> Whitney's watching the jazz game. Something that bad just happened. That scared the literal oh, shit out of me. I thought she got <laughs> shot in the chest. Yeah, that scared Sorry. me as well. Okay, so anyways, the structure of the show that I saw was not necessarily what we saw after the show. But in the at the midpoint, we faced... The bully, we hit the climax, and then it spilled out into these parallel dimensions. Anatasha's character kind of in this parallel dimension, and then Travis's character in this parallel dimension. Even though we didn't end up in a place and maybe felt a little messy, I think we can't even take away from the audience the ability to make the connections that we aren't necessarily in the moment. Because I remember Holly sometimes saying she could see the theme of the show after she got off stage. And sometimes things that we saw them, the Reckoning, doing on stage, I don't think they necessarily were always conscious that they were doing. But right. definitely after the show, everyone could point You don't want to, like, sacrifice the moment and being in the moment for forcing structure. Um, but if you make a poopy butthole move where you force the climax early, it's the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I really, I mean, I, I ended up really loving the show anyway. So, but it's all about looking at possibilities, I guess, or else yeah. it, it wouldn't happen the next time. Yeah. And I'm certainly owning that without beating myself up for it. You know, I, I look and own that like, oh, that was my head that forced that move that, and then, oh yeah, it did sort of derail the momentum. We're, you guys are all really good improvisers. We're good at what we do. I still, the scenes that came next were still good, fun scenes. They just, it's what could have been. In Doctor Who Live, which performed at Iowa West for several years, when we were talking about doing a narrative improv show, we always set up the first scene of the show to be what we called a world-building scene. It's exactly what y'all two did very well. You established Travis is a time traveler and that he was taking Anatasha's character along. That set up the world and the structure for the rest of the show. It was done really well, and it kind of gave the whole show legs. No, you're not that smart. Are you pulling my chain? I would not joke about this. So you're telling me right now 
that you could take me back to any time in my childhood. Do I go back as an adult or do I go back into my childhood body? No, you stay exactly the same. The only thing that changes is the time we exist in. So I could go back and beat up my childhood bully and save myself. But be very careful, Margot. Be very careful because that childhood bully made you who you are today. And on the flip side of that, in the very final scene, Anatasha, you made a wonderful move by repeating one of the first lines of the first scene of the show. And Trav, you picked up on it. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. No, you gotta be kidding me. Are you pulling my chain? I would never joke about this. You're telling me that you can take me back to my childhood. Yeah. Do I go back like in my adult body or do I go back in time and I'm a kid again? You stay exactly the same. The only thing that changes is the time that you exist in. Listen to the rhythm of the night. So I could go back and like beat up my childhood bully and save myself. That's right. Now you're feeling it. Now you're feeling it. You could do that. But Margo, be careful because if you do, if you do, you're going to be different. Your childhood bully made you who you are. I highly doubt that. I mean, look at me. I'm successful. I'm about to get married. I got a rocking bod. I'm rich. I mean, I doubt that that he made me that. I wouldn't give Aaron Frost so much credit, you know? He was a dweeb. Well, then why do you want to go beat him up? Because <laughs> he was annoying and he was mean to me. It did stop eventually, but he still deserves it. I wonder why it stopped. I don't know. Everybody said that my mom came to school to talk to him, but she said she didn't, so. And you had this beautiful time travel moment where the two characters who decided to go time traveling at the beginning of the show, at the end, don't realize that they time traveled, but they changed their own lives in the process. So it was really fun and really beautiful. You don't always get those beautiful moments in improv, so that was amazing. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, that was such a cool move, Tosh, when you said that first line again. I was so excited. I was like, oh, yeah, that was so good. Like, yeah, man, the... thanks for picking up what I was putting down. I love it. Great. Uh, well, this has been super fun, guys. I mean, I, there were a lot of things about this show that we could talk about. But overall, I think we had a good show. I loved what Pish said at the beginning, that we are getting more comfortable with Zoom. We have a long ways to go before I think we feel like we're really, really, you know, knocking it out of the park the way we want to. But I'm enjoying the process of getting better with you guys. Do you want to just go around the circle with like one final thought? It can be a, a let's do more of that or could have done different or just a moment of the show that made you laugh. Okay, the thing that made me feel joy was <laughs> kind of singing a song and having Pish really dive into some 
performance art movement. I was very tickled by him. I couldn't stop laughing while I was humming singing, and which is stupid, but <laughs> I was having a lot of fun. Don't you interpretive dance at a time like this. Don't you do it. So you know feel your feelings like the rest of us. So I know what to do. Don't you dance your feelings away. Not right now. I can't help it. The music is in me. to the rhythm of the night. Into the morning light, I feel on my mind. And the morning light. <laughs> and and poopy butthole moment when that kind of came back and pish was like moving weird again later i wish i had leaned in harder because i felt like i was holding back what about you pish well i was thinking in general we talked about the idea of like a dramaville scene where you really commit to being to giving an oscar worthy performance dramatic like some of the best dramatic actors and not like winking at the audience that it's comedic. And we also talk about the idea of the split brain improvisers. So the improviser is an actor, director, and a writer. And I was thinking, if you do all three of those seriously, if you're acting seriously like an Oscar-winning performance, if your writing is a dramatic content and you're directing it seriously like a dramatic play, it's not different than a dramatic production. But like Jed Eveleth says, if you can do one of those things weirdly and absurdly, it's great. But what that requires is you commit to the seriousness and you build tension either with the acting, the content, or the direction of what's happening. That's just something that I've been thinking about. And I think I want to think more of that and kind of commit harder to building tension in those different kinds of ways. Wow. I mean, we'll cover this in a storm chaserology, but I think that's such a beautiful way to describe Dramaville because if you are acting like your best, you're trying to be, you know, Meryl Streep, but the writer is stupid. <laughs> so you are acting like Meryl Streep, but you keep using the word poopy butthole. That's funny to me. On the flip side, if the writing is very, very good and there's tension in the direction, how you're moving in the space between each other, and it's really like beautiful space work and stuff, but then your your like anger at a 10 is Jesse Kubinay and you just it's kind of dumb anger, that's also dramaville. And I'm like, oh, I love I just really like that explanation of it, Pish. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll piggyback on that for my final thought. There's one scene in the show where I thought we did a great job of building the tension. And as I went back and watched the show and I was trying to explain it to my brother-in-law who was here, I couldn't explain why it was funny. It's the, the scene where we're signing divorce papers. I feel like I've been really struggling with going slow and doing one line at a time. And we kind of did it in this scene. It's moving really slow. Neither of us are being funny. It's a dramatic moment. We're getting divorced. And the tension is building. 
neither of us are winking. And and then for no reason, we both broke at the exact same time. This, this will be final. Is there anything I can say? Do we want to go there now? Is now the right time for this? If not now, then when? Look, if you just sign the paper, then we can be done with it and we can walk away and never talk again. It just seems so final, you know. That's the point. I don't want to see your goddamn gross, wrinkly face anymore, okay? Every year you just look older and older and it's grossing me out. Look, if I could go back in time and wear sunscreen, I would. But I wanted to look hot for you. Yeah. That seems like a pretty shitty game plan long-term for skin health. You always say the meanest, most hurtful things. I don't need to say good things. I'm a good person. I'm a good person in other ways. Okay, all right. I don't know one person who thinks you're a good person. <gasps> I don't know one person who thinks you're a good person. I said it. I heard that the first time. Why'd you say it a second time? <laughs> I don't know why other than maybe we're so out of practice dealing, living in tension that we got uncomfortable and our bodies like, instinctively reacted by laughing but it just made me realize like wow if you can't do anything else if you can build tension you'll have a you know whatever successful means you'll have a successful scene it's the same reason why i think there's so many horror comedy movies because if you're building a lot of tension and you break it even slightly wrong or slightly off, it becomes funny instead of scary so easily. It's also the reason why watching bad horror movies can be like a fun mystery science 3000 thing to do with your friends where you're just like, ah, oh, this is a horror movie so dumb and it like makes you laugh. But it's like you really try, they're trying so hard to build tension and then scare you that it's so close to that. So I think you guys are really just trying to build tension. And then if it gets broken in the wrong place or just even one thing is off, there's a mistake or you re or you realize that you're two 30 something year old men on a Zoom call in Los Angeles during a pandemic and you're playing like you're getting divorced, like it's seriously, your brain just breaks and then it makes you be like, this is so dumb. And then the tension's broken for both of you, you know, made me laugh. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, anyway, as always, I love improvising with y'all. I love talking shop with y'all. I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm excited to 
you take what we're learning and work on some of the things we're noticing, some of the gaps in our play. And, and it's kind of fun learning a new skill with y'all. Let's make sure that we keep the trolling Travis section of game tape. That's a good one. Agreed. You, we got to keep that part. Do we, oh, you guys like, you guys liked it? We do a couple episodes. It's just so easy. That. Yeah, we could talk about that the whole time. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. Uh, I love them, even though they hurt me. And I love you for listening. Hey, before you go, please take a quick minute to smash that subscribe button. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, maybe ask my friends to be nicer to me next time. I don't know. They might listen to you. Also, if you want to catch us doing some improv instead of just talking about improv, please head over to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Storm Improv, where we're doing live Zoom shows every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, we love expanding our improv community, so please check us out on the social medias as Storm Chaser Improv and on our website at www.stormchaserimprov.com. Love you. Hope you're doing well. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you, okay? Be brave out there. Thank you for listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show.